Hi, I'm Josh Gandy, and you're listening to No Proof. This podcast is an extension of my journey to discover closeness to myself and the outside world. Through mindfulness, the person I'm becoming since sobriety, and the healthy choices I'm learning about along the way. In each episode, I'll be speaking with someone with ties to sobriety, the bar and restaurant industry, wellness, recovery, or all of the above. There's no proof like the present. All right. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to No Proof. I'm Josh Gandy. I'm joined today by Bjorn Taylor. Excited to chat with you, uh, you know, following you on Instagram and, you know, talking to Andy, who knows you, I get to see some really great, uh, you know, cocktails, mocktails, no proof drinks that you're, you're putting out there. I'm kind of interested to hear your, your take on all of that. Um, but mostly interested to hear from you, hear your story and, and, uh, see how we can get this out there. Yeah. Awesome, Josh. Like I said, thank you so much for having me, man. This is awesome. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm, uh, I'm Robert Bjorn Taylor, man. I was uh, originally from Houston, Texas. Uh, I've been here in Austin for about 10 years now. Actually, 10 years in July uh, this year. So um, I've been in hospitality for about 17 years. Uh, started as a barista <laughs> while I was in school for, uh, for graphic design. Uh, I graduated, but I ended up... Uh, as a graphic, I ended up working as a graphic designer, but I didn't really dig that too much. In Houston, it's very boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> energy, oil, I was typesetting a lot of stuff. That was it. You know, they don't tell you this stuff in school. <laughs> it's, like, it's all farce. <laughs> so, but, uh, go ahead. Seven, 17 years in the industry. I mean, that's like, um, that, that's a long time for anything. But I think especially within the industry, I mean, you've kind of seen like a bunch of different lifetimes uh, play out. A lot of different changes, a lot of different conversations oh, yeah. starting and, uh, and and stopping. What What's the industry been like for you in that time? Well, for, for one thing, um, I, I saw, especially within like three years of actual bartending, um, I saw people look at that that job itself more than just like what it is tip base or this just kind of like expendable kind of thing, you know, it became a little bit more like kind of how people kind of view the culinary world within the last like 20, 30 years, you know, like it, they, there's some prestige that comes with it. There's some acknowledgement and most of that is focused on what's happened in the media. And then of course, like all the hubs like New York, San Francisco, LA and stuff like that, that it just, you know, you have these like superstar chefs or superstar restaurants or, you know, uh, so the same things happen within the nucleus of like the cocktail or beverage world. Right. Um, so that goes from like sommeliers down, down the line to like, you know, just a fine cocktail bar. Right. Uh, so I've seen it grow from that. I know it, it came down to Texas where I'm at a little later <laughs> than everywhere else. just like, as it should, I guess. <laughs> so like around maybe like 2009 is when everything started shifting. And that's when I actually came, you know, I started to get that. I got the seed planted in my head that I needed to kind of like uh, move away from my high volume bartending, which I was doing 
uh, dark age bartending, as I would say, making lemon drops and such to actually making, uh, you know, classic cocktails like, you know, last words and, 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 and old fashions and such like that. But I moved to Austin where the, the landscape was a little bit more open than Houston at the time. And I think a lot more open to that, that style. And also just like weird food concepts were happening here. Uchi was a big group happening here with the, you know, it's just well known for being in the landlocked area with sushi and being the best sushi place in, in Texas. That's crazy, you know? So, you know, I was like, Austin seems to be pushing boundaries a little bit more as they always do a little bit more weirder here. <laughs> so I came in and I started bartending um, at a place called Peche. So, and that place kind of like elevated my, my understanding of cocktails, spirits, elixirs and such making tinctures Um you know, it, it really brought that that culinary aspect to what I did, which gave my 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 bartending a lot more, uh, you know, uh, what I would say uh, purpose. <laughs> I would say, you know, because at, at, at the time it was just you know, I'm just working this to make tips, you know, and and it wasn't necessarily this thing that I looked at as purposeful, you know. Uh, we can go along a whole bunch then to this day now creating zero proof cocktails to me, I view everything as in this realm of beverages, not just, you know, just the, the, the spirit that makes the drink, you know? So, and I think that's an important thing for people to like realize that, you know, that, that just because you have no alcohol in something doesn't mean that it's not a significant beverage. <laughs> it is a beverage. It's, Totally consumable, very delicious. I mean, we we in we we imbibe so many cool things, teas, uh, you know, uh, kombucha, all sorts of different. We imbibe so many different things that have complex flavors and profiles and stuff. So this zero proof realm actually exists before liquor, and it exists for liquor. Liquor is just an added, added thing to it. So that's how I look at it now, and I'm so happy I was able to get to this point. And I think it, it I, I really accounted all for culinary like this is the thing that made me that has me viewing it in that in that way so um yeah it's it's interesting i I, um i've been sober so i've been sober for about maybe 20 i want to say 21 months that's awesome congrats by the way yeah thank you thank you it was a journey man you know obviously i know <laughs> on this program, or like you know, talking to everybody, story kind of maybe be the same. I know everyone has like, but you know, I th- this industry can wear on you. Um, it builds into the habit and the disease that is alcoholism to those who are susceptible, like myself. Um, and you know, I just got to a, to a point where you know, I was uh, uh, I wasn't happy anymore. I wasn't drinking. Uh, in a, in a healthy way in which there is a healthy way to imbibe. Um, but I wasn't healthy and I wasn't happy and I definitely was headed, you know, I, I had management position. I finally moved myself up into somewhere where people were looking up to me and I had responsibilities to make sure uh, things were running properly. <laughs> and in order to do that, I had to make sure I was running properly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I stopped. And in fact, I'll be totally honest Day one, I didn't, I stopped September 30th of 2019. I didn't, I didn't really stop. I stopped thinking I was just doing a, a what was it, a sober October. And I was going to, the intentions of drinking again, actually, you know. And 
uh, but I also did have that feeling of being sick and tired. I did remember that feeling, but I remember I went to a uh, Ben's friends meeting here in Austin and something about it stuck with me. And I showed back up next week and I showed back up next week. And next thing you know, it was three months and I hadn't drank. And I just had to sit down and just went in my head and I was like, wait a minute, you know, I had been so much more productive in the last three months, uh, a little irritable. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, a little, little, little bit more, a little bit more serious Bjorn, but it was a Bjorn I liked, you know, like I didn't, I had a lot more. Well, again, I'm going to go back to the word purpose. Like I had purpose. I was actually doing the the purposeful things I wanted to do. And in, and, and, and just in a good amount of time, like I, I had my life organized a lot more. So it, it, it just stuck. It stuck. And also, I mean, I can talk about all the things on my side, but also just being around people that was like mine have been friends with this sober um, F and B uh, community. Um, it, it, it being around people who were in AA, who were involved in that, and all that's kind of just stuck with me. And I have tried AA before prior to it, and it didn't really stick with me. Now it's something I implement in my life a little like, but you know, it's done wonders for 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 me and my career. I'll say that. You know, I sat down, you know, six months in, seven months in, the pandemic happened. So I was locked in my house, you know, like being six months sober, locked in the house, <laughs> you know, not being able to work, not being able to do anything. It was crazy. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a massive undertaking to, to, to become sober and then still have to kind of maintain and think about what you're going to do with life. Cause I, then I have to figure out if I was going to actually stick to this uh, beverage thing. And I almost, Walked away from it, Josh. You kind of about... get that cut and run feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, a lot well, of it has to do with like how tied you can get to your job. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're talking about purpose. And I think like what that is, is it's separating the self from the position. And 100%. especially with the, the positions within like food and beverage, it is a lightning pace. And I'm with mm-hmm. you. I, I mean, I, I did a sober October with the intention of November one, picking up a drink. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I always say on here is like, you know, I was making excuses and plotting out for a person that didn't exist yet. And I think yeah. like, that's, what's really important is like having enough sense to kind of step away and just kind of like plan a little bit more ahead. And you can kind yes. of really do that with a sober mind. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, I, like I said, I, I thought hard on, and like, actually, you know, after the two months or when I got to the two month point, that's when I was like, wait, I haven't drank two months. That's crazy. Because I remember I went to a wedding. It was my first encounter <laughs> around an open bar. <laughs> I had been sober so long. And I was like, you know, I, I and I had been in these Ben Friends meetings. So my mind was very set on sobriety. And in fact, let me just say this straight out. I was still sober then. I wasn't in recovery yet. <laughs> like I was just sober, Bjorn. So that means I was susceptible so hard like i was thinking about drinking all the time or i could you know i'll get stressed and but then of course i have to reinforce myself with the the knowledge that i gained through aa and the knowledge that i was gaining through ben's friends you know that the the steps were playing a part in my life and you know like i said i think when the pandemic started, I was in recovery like i got to this point where i felt comfortable and pink cloud was kind of you know like i was 
I was there, I was like, kind of like, no, nah, this is not something I even think about. Really, it wasn't. And so it was easy. I had a, you know, I have a whole bar here at home because I make cocktails for, you know, brands. And, you know, I make cocktails when I'm working my menus. Uh, so I, I, I it, it's just, it was, a, it was a perplexing thing. It's a moment there to think about, well, am I going to go back to this hustle and bustle F&B thing when everything gets straight? And let's just be honest here. In June, I was contacted in 2020. In June, I was contacted to go back to work. Crazy, right? Texas. <laughs> like, they wanted me to go back to work for 15%. Um, and I was like, are you are y'all insane? Like, I thought to myself, like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to name it. I'm like, you guys are insane. I'm like, no, I'm not coming back to 15% to risk myself. And that's the kind of stuff that came to my mind there. Like, really, what do you want? What do you want to do? And that's when, you know, there were so many books I was introduced to last year. You know, luckily a lot of zero proof books came out. Alenia came out with their zero book, Aviary. Um, uh, Julia Bainbridge came out with Good Drinks books. So I picked up a couple of those books and I kept thinking, hey, I'm just going to start making zero proof cocktails. I'm just going to start making drinks in general. Let me just do it here at home. I built a little light box. Now you see, I actually have a setup. Now I bought a few, few lighting equipment, watched a lot of YouTube videos. And it wasn't like I wasn't art inclined. I went to art school. So like I knew about composition, a lot like colors and stuff. Uh, lighting, I'm still learning to this day. Like I'm not a photographer. No, I'm still learning that. But mostly what I wanted to do was create my own little zero proof menus. Why not? Like, and honestly, That's before a- I've done this has becoming, has becoming sober changed the way that you looked at those zero-proof drinks? Was just like when you were, were drinking and creating for somebody who wanted something without alcohol, is, you know, mm-hmm. the way you, way you no, look at that different now? It, of course, I look at it a little bit differently, but I think I've always been flirting with the idea. I've always been flirting with it because, you know, I thought about it for a second and about in 2017, I worked at a, a Japanese omakase restaurant here. In, in, in Austin called Otoko. I ran the bar at Water Trade, which was a Japanese, you know, Japanese concert, had a whole bunch of sakes, um, Japanese whiskeys and such. And I'm the one that cre- I created a tea program there, which was the an A program. And I wasn't really even thinking about the sober mind. I honestly wasn't really thinking about like sober mind. Mostly I was just thinking about those, you know, pregnant. <laughs> women and those who yeah i didn't really think about that but it was there like this whole non-alcoholic thing was always in the back of my mind you know um obviously when i was over at another restaurant we used to create non-alcoholic stuff off the off the whim of course there were heavy and just juices which nothing's wrong with that <laughs> at the time we put a little bitters in it i ain't gonna lie <laughs> so like now if you really want to make it zero proof you can't but you know you think about these kind of things like light you know kombucha is lightly you know fermented or kvass is lightly fermented you know all the things you, you ferment all that kind of stuff so you have to pick and choose what you do i mean i eat like uh, a cake that might have rum in it <laughs> like a little bit of it. So i don't know if that's cheating or not i don't know but but the fact there is like, it was always in my mind, but it definitely was a little bit more transformed. I feel. It, it sounds like maybe more consideration to the audience is what, what changed Ex- for you. Yes, definitely. And like I said earlier, it's like this thing of, we never really, when you go to a restaurant or 
you know, your, your process behind drinking and vibing is straight. It's just about the spirit, right? And don't get me wrong, the spirit itself is important, but really what's the story behind the drink? What are the, the elements that make that drink is highly important. I mean, the big thing with tropical or what they say, tiki style drinks, right? I hate you. I'm trying to eliminate tiki because it's not just Polynesian, right? It could be any tropical style. It's all those beautiful ingredients that you have in it, right? Yeah, of course, when you introduce rum to that, it changes. But I've been able to sit here at my house and you don't even have to buy a rum alternative. I take coconut water, I put a whole bunch of spices in it, allspice, cinnamon, clove, you know, and it it makes this rich coconut water that replicates the, the spirit of rum. And it's, you put that, I made a pina colada this morning <laughs> with that, you know what I'm saying? And it had all those rich flavors with it. You introduce an herb to it. You do like, I did Thai basil with one concept of the pina colada I made this morning. It, it is, to me, even more interesting <laughs> than, than, than the alcohol concept. Because rum is just rum <laughs> at some point, you know, they have to, in fact, rums, like certain rums, you have to, they have to spice it up, right? They have to add, you know, like coconut rum, like Malibu, you know, so they have themselves to this point, get a little boring itself, right? <laughs> so uh, it, 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 like I said, it's transformed me to how, you know, simple beverages, all the, all the little ingredients can become the most important thing. Cause it is the most important thing to a, to making a, a, a cocktail, you know, now the only time that gets a little, uh, 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 little doggy or foggy there is when you're talking about like high spirited cocktails, like old fashions, Manhattans. Now that's like, <laughs> that's a different world. You're talking about how do you replicate some of that? But now it's become a little easier with people making like alternative um, Amaro's alternative vermouth. It's possible. Um, and we, this conversation is so weird to be having because I don't think you could have had this conversation five years ago. <laughs> it wasn't a market. It wasn't yeah, a thing. And I right. do think it is something, right? And I, I, you know, even five years ago, the way that I thought about NA drinks is, is totally changed as well. I mean, you, you brought up like, uh, you know, pregnancy and the way that I thought about like mocktails and stuff is like mocktails were meant to mimic because like that was kind of like in yes. my head, like the the audience. Mm-hmm. It was just like I don't care what is in it as long as it looks like what I usually looks drink like exactly the conversation isn't open enough, open air enough for me to even bring up why I'm not drinking to my friends. Like I don't even want to have mm-hmm. a conversation because of like what people could possibly say about it. Whereas now people are drinking with intention. They're ordering with intention. With exactly. With, you know, these cocktails have names to them. They can pick them off uh-huh. the menu. And, you know, uh, bespoke NA drinks, it's really fun to put together. But the fact uh-huh. that you're able to think about them alongside the same way that you do like full menu drinks, it's like that much more interesting to be able to place them and then have somebody order them as well. 100%. Like, I, and I think it's a lovely thing. I think it's an awesome thing. Um, people are very involved in what they eat and what they drink nowadays. You know, uh, I, 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 and I love that. I adore it. You know, I know some people are like, Oh man, I hate it when I hear the word foodie or I I enjoy that people know and like what they want. Um, I, 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 I implore those who are, you know, that are not in the beverage community or hospitality community to get into it it, it, or to get into it when they go out to be involved in the food. Cause I, you, I, I feel 
the most entertaining thing in my life is going out and having this like grand dinner, enjoying every flavor concept and all and such. Right. Um, I, I'm uh, trying to bring that to making beverages as well. I don't want to just be this boring kind of like, okay, I'm always constantly doing an old fashioned, I'm always constantly doing this. I want it to be the intention of someone who actually drinks too, to actually enjoy a zero proof cocktail. And I, I feel like we're at the point where you can create these things where look, let's say, let's take this for instance. When you go out to brunch, a lot of people just imbibe on, you know, sparkling the mimosa is probably the number one or bloody Mary. You know, you think about this concept, you're literally, it's very basic. It's, sort of, it's, a, it's a very basic thing. So think about going out to brunch and imbibing on some flavorful zero proof cocktail. And you can call it a cocktail. That's the thing. It's a cocktail. <laughs> it just doesn't have any spirit in it, but it's probably more flavorful than your mimosa. And I can definitely make you something super savory that matches a, uh, uh, a Bloody Mary, you know, I've been playing, I'm getting, that's a cool part about this whole thing too. I get to be the chef that I always wanted to be. Like I'm sitting here with malic acid, citric acid, xanthan gum and all sorts of things. And just mixing up, I'm using tomato water. I'm using that. You know, it's starting to become like this thing where I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely changed, definitely changed my approach. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that I got like lazy with, um, you know, cocktail creation, but I definitely felt when I was thinking spirit first, I was more mm-hmm. performing a math in some ways. Like I knew for sure. what to pick up off the shelf and kind of put it together and it would take some tweak here and there. But I feel like when I had to remove spirit altogether, like it just totally changed the way that I, I went about it. Everything became more about mm-hmm. storytelling. It became more storytelling. About, um, you know, of time and of place of local of sourcing, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. you brought up earlier in the show, like all that does is that only amplifies a spiritist drink as well. Like if you're putting that much thought into something that doesn't have alcohol, 100%. the moment that you like intentionally select a bottle to add to that, like it, it, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And people are interested in the story, you know, and I mean, I know, yeah, liquors, uh, certain spirits and liquors have such a great, great, great story behind it. I mean, chartreuse, one of my favorite spirits, spirit, just great story, right? Made by chartreusian monks, kicked out of France, moved to Spain. Like, it's like this crazy thing, you know, prior to learning about any of these things, learning about these cordials that were made by monks, you know, I knew nothing of it. It was just this green, very overproof story. <laughs> you know, so they're interesting stories, yes. Now, what's more interesting about this is the... What is there, 128 herbs in there? Now, you know, you can use those. Those herbs are definitely in almost every, I know a few of them, right? Making something without the spirit of ethanol in it and using those herbs to make cocktails with, or making a, 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 a uh, beverage to imbibe on that has those same contents. And that's so crazy because you can do that now. So crazy. Um, and some people would be kind of afraid of the ethanol, even if you drink, right? Like, I don't think, I know some people who do not drink, um, will not drink like chartreuse, but probably would love these herbs on their own. And the reason they wouldn't want it is because it's like, it's hot. It's, it's, it's too much. It's too much alcohol. The ethanol is crazy for them. But you want to enjoy all these like crazy flavor profiles. Now it's like up to people like me and a whole bunch of other like um, beverage makers or, you know, bartenders, mixologists, whatever you want to call themselves to kind of like science the hell out of this stuff. <laughs> like figure out ways to like remake like an Aperol, 
remake yourself a uh, Amaro Sibelia or something. You know, it's time for that thing to happen. And it's happening and I'm loving it. You know, I'm loving it. I'm loving it so much. So, Jordan, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, kind of getting to that place where you considered leaving the mm-hmm. industry and kind of like those early days in sobriety. What kind of had to happen with you? Like what, what moments of growth or rule setting or, or whatever had to happen for you to kind of like stay in? Because I had a similar moment where I was just like, you know, and I, I touched on this a little bit about like being so tied to the job where you kind of have that worrying feeling of like, can I even do this anymore as a, this like, way, as a sober person? As a sober person. Like yeah, giving it, up everything. Yeah, it was such a, gosh, like I honestly, the first like through two, three months, I, I felt out of myself, you know, like, like almost everyone. And I've heard this so many times in AA rooms and, you know, bench friends rooms and stuff like you get scared because especially for those who are bartenders or servers that you lose the personality that you were before because you're not drinking. Um, that was my number one fair. I was like, man, well, like, no one's going to like me because I don't, you know, <laughs> in my head I thought I had no personality. Uh, it's far from the truth. Like, you know, right after about January, I think in the new year of like 2020, I started to realize I enjoyed, I was out and I was being more of myself. And that that's something that gave me the confidence to actually think to myself, I can actually still do my job too. I can still be around people. I don't have to be a little inebriated because I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat the shit. Like, you know, some of my shifts, I would take a shot. This is how I would get through. You know what I'm saying? Or I'll, you know, midnight comes, I'm like, oh, you know, I need a little bit of a edge off. And that's the only way I could do it. And that's crazy because I was reinforcing these like habits into me throughout the years that I needed to be a little tipsy or a little bit of this in order to put up with this. And that's another thing, keyword just came out of my mouth, put up with. <laughs> you know, like I look at the industry and by patrons and whatnot that I get a little differently than what I did. I'm giving them a hundred percent of me. So it's actually a lot more genuine than what I've given before. And I know a lot of people still love and adore me from, you know, past and whatnot, but I'm even more a hundred percent genuine than what I was prior. I think so, because I'm not inebriated. I'm not half hungover, (laughs) you know, or this and that, like serving you. I am literally here now, truly giving you the, the the experience that I would want, honestly, because the thought process is I'm thinking everyone's like that. When I go out, you know, truth be told, they probably are like me. <laughs> like when I was in the radiator or hungover. But, and again, it's, it's, um, it's this facade I was putting up because I was scared that, you know, it's, it's weird. Like I was saying, I was losing personality by not drinking. The fun, the funny part is I was hiding my personality. <laughs> I was hiding it. Like I was hiding it, you know, cause I was afraid I was insecure that, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent good enough to do my job or to be what I needed to be for my patrons or for my fellow coworkers. And that's far from the truth. So now that I'm a hundred percent sober and insane, I can give the best I feel. So, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. I, I thought about it hard. I love the industry. I still do art on the side. I can do whatever I want to do. And I remember this thing. I actually just heard in a meeting not so long ago. It might've been me. It might've been me that said it. <laughs> like you can walk away from this thing whenever you want. You know, you're not put on this earth to do just one thing. 
And that's something, you know, I took from my mom. My mom's like a Renaissance woman. She does a whole bunch of art. You know, she's a painter. She's the same shit. She doesn't. So like for me, as long as I keep learning things, creating things, I'm happy. <laughs> so, you know, but I'm blessed to be able to, there's, to me, this is a new thing. You know, if I could create non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beverages, why the hell not? You know, why not be like a part of this nice little renaissance? And I feel like it's not a fad. I don't, I don't believe it's a fad. I believe it's a space that's being created, that's being opened. And to be a part of it is amazing. So I, I, I couldn't walk away from the industry, you know, for that, for that fact, you know. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, you hit on so many things that just like resonate with me. And it's like, it's that thinking that you're going to lose a part of yourself if you give up drinking when it's like, you know, looking back, it couldn't be more of the opposite of like how much of you is being wasted away, you know, Mm -hmm. pardon the pun there, but how much of you is like gone when, you know, you're in that condition, whether it be very minor of just like one shot behind the bar or whatever happens like after the fact. Mm-hmm. And then also within like staying within the industry is just like, you know, that's part of the reason why I started this podcast. It's just like, it's a conversation because in the time when I was felt like I was hurting and I was just like, I don't, I don't know that I can do this. Like, I know that I've been sober this month, but I don't know if I can kind of keep going. Uh, part of that was because like, I didn't hear anybody that sounded like me. I didn't see yeah. any stories yeah. that looked like mine. Everything that I looked up on the internet was like a car accident or you know, somebody's behind the bars or, you know, something worse, you know? And that was like everything that I was reading. And I was like, if that's not me, then, you know, why would anyone want to hear from me? Or why would I want to like keep going down this journey if it maybe doesn't seem as bad as I guess as it has to be? And that's, you know, one big thing that I've learned is that that doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to run it into the ground to be able to turn it around. 100%. I mean, the amount, I mentioned the amount of rock bottoms I hit prior to coming to my senses. And even when I explained it, I told you, I didn't come to my senses. I said to myself, I'm sick and tired and I'm probably taking a month off. But the, the rock bottoms that I hit, you know, I should be well off dead. <laughs> I should be well off locked up. You know, there's a potentially that could have killed someone in my lifetime. From the moment I started drinking, I've been drinking and driving. Texas is very you know, road heavy state. We don't have great public transportation. So from the moment I was drinking, I've been drinking and driving saying that it's okay. Um, I don't normalize that kind of stuff anymore. I don't. And I'm very strict on the, on my thought process on that because I've had friends who've killed themselves and I've known people who've been hurt by it. You know, um, I don't normalize it because I understand that it's also, you know, that alcoholism, even though I, I embrace spirits, alcoholism is something that affects my people. Like my, you know, I'm African-American. Like it, it is a disproportionate thing that, you know, luckily for me, I have a little bit of money, but I couldn't go to 30 day rehab or a, a treatment facility because I can't afford it as a bartender. And nor could a lot of people in lower income places that suffer from addictions. And that's like, you know, I, I there's so much underlying things. And I, 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 I don't take this for, for granted. I'm, you know, I get to, we get to talk about this. But that's the thing you said. There's so many different levels. Even just being a white male, like this in the in the in the, in the, in the bar industry. Oh, you might not be, you might not think you're alcoholic, <laughs> but you're imbibing. You're imbibing just as you're, as much as the guy who wakes up in the morning and starts drinking from then and on all day. So yeah, you're right, man. It's like 
they, these stories weren't being told. We were very uncomfortable about telling these kind of stories or talking about this stuff. But, I'm, but I am very vocal. <laughs> I think more is my maybe the reason why I'm not in, like AA heavy because of AA, you know, you kind of keep it a little hidden. But here it's like, I don't mind telling my story because I want the black men to know like, yeah, it's fine to not want to overconsume to binge. You know, and my thing is I preach the practice of not binging, which is something I did. But I do, again, suffer from alcoholism. Like I am, a, I do not know us. I do not have a stopping point. Um, and yeah, we've we've also noticed this in the last 10 years. This has been something where, you know, a lot of people are coming into wellness. And the industry is somewhere where, you know, we were the last to really kind of grasp this concept. We work 14-hour shifts 12 to 14 hour shifts, we leave, we drink, or we leave, we party till the morning, repeat, rinse, repeat. That is the, the cycle. We take care of people. We do not take care of ourselves. That That is, that's ridiculous. That's, that's like, and it's only been like the last couple of years where this has been reevaluated. Restaurants are starting to look into things, you know, bars are starting to like, you know, appreciate their staff and try to, you know, rework things you know i think it's important so how how did that change for for you i mean obviously like i mean very similar with me i would you know sometimes go into work hungover i'd have a, a shot while at work and after work i'd go out and i'd drink and a lot of times that would be on repeat which is like depressing to say but at the time yeah. it just felt normal but what changed before your shift what changes during the shift what changes after the shift for you what what, what were those switches like well, what I mean, let's say I haven't been super involved. <laughs> like I haven't been in a, a, a nine to five or, or excuse me, not nine to five, but a, a work environment per se, like a traditional ones in a minute. But um, I do fill my time with more of what you would hear in AA and whatnot with meditation, meeting, and actually just having time for myself to make sure that I'm clear headed before I walk into a situation. Because I have marked it. Um, over the course of the last year. And before I walk into a space, I have to make sure that I am well rested, that I am like a hundred percent cognizant, um, hydrated and ready to talk to people. <laughs> now what happens after a bartend? Literally, I, there's been times I have been with other coworkers and they needed to get a drink, but I would literally talk their ears off about things. <laughs> Not really in like a mo- mother fashion, but Obviously, I think being around me as well kind of changes the way people, and it's not like they're acting for me, but the way they imbibe or like just talk with me. Um, so, but for me personally, I, I tend to just go home. It's done. I'm done. I go home. I rest, you know. Um, I've also gotten super healthy during the pandemic. I mean, because we all gain weight and whatnot, but I started working out. Like, so if I was to come home, I don't eat late anymore. I'll you know, try my best to just hydrate, wake up in the morning and do a workout. That's another thing you've noticed. I know if you noticed, like with Ben's friends down here in Austin, there's a run club. It's a lot more healthier alternatives. You know, I ride my bike a lot. That's another one of my things. I cycle. So it's these things keep me sane and healthy. And it's much more, I can do it so socially, <laughs> you know, be around people, which I am a social person. Um, so if I can go riding with my friends or anyone, I'm, I'm, I do that. So it's, it's, a uh, it's weird to kind of, I, I live in a city too. And I mean, Austin's, I want to say this is recorded. Austin's a party city. 
to me. <laughs> but it's also it's so weird to say that because I'm now on this side of everything, I've noticed that Austin's not just about already Austin is also a healthy city. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you put yourself in. <laughs> like because exactly. it's an outdoorsy city. So it's like I was like, wait a minute, I just thought this city was a party city because I was heavily involved in this. Um, it's actually a very, very uh, down to the core. There's a lot more going on than what you actually think. And I actually, I'll take that back. That's like almost every city. Wherever you put yourself in is where you're going to find yourself, right? Yeah. And that's a big thing so, that I notice is that it's the identity that you give to people. Yeah. And you, you mentioned like the way that people talk to you had changed. And that was a big like revelation for me is like, mm-hmm. you know, if the identity that I presented to everybody that I am a party goblin, <laughs> then yes. you know, people are only going to talk to me about war stories and party goblin stuff. Uh, but 100%. the second that changed, like everybody would come in and they'd want to talk to me about what I watched on Netflix or the mm-hmm. fact that they saw me running downtown one day or something like that. And just like the way that people talk to me, like, totally changed because, you know, I wasn't just that one version of myself anymore. I had time to be all these different things and to talk about actually, were actually interesting. Yeah. That actually stems back to the question you asked about personality. <laughs> like, what do you think about your, it's true. Your personalities does define you. And it's weird that we want it to be accepted through this drinking thing or, you know, pre, pre not really like subconsciously you want it to be accepted by drinking and reinforcing things. But then it's so weird because like when you become sober and you, you, you gain this personality, that's like, it's your personality, but you're actually reinventing yourself technically by getting into the things you were doing before. I'm telling you, I said, like, I, I said this once during a meeting. I don't think I was using my true voice till like last year, like not since I was 17. I don't think I was actually talking for myself. It always been under the influence of something. And Last year was the first time that Bjorn actually spoke as Bjorn. It's crazy shit to think about. Like most of my adult life that I, I was highly under the influence and just very, and I thought that was freeing. The most fucking freeing thing that's ever happened to me was actually being sober. It's crazy, you know, and it's scary. I am not going to sit here and tell you that it's like this. It wasn't easy. But I will tell you what's amazing sitting here talking to you. I don't have like a care in the world to be inebriated. Like it's not something I think about. I have friends who I know right now this day, like sit down. Oh, I need a drink. You know what I'm saying? If I talk to them, like that, that, that thought doesn't even come over. (laughs) Like it doesn't even like touch me at the moment. And I'm happy. Like I I do understand like in recovery, you're still in recovery. You can't get, you can't go on the cruise control, but I know for a fact that that's not something that's, that that plagues me. And I've tried, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. I try so hard to really reaffirm the beautiful things that have come to me in sobriety and Mm -hmm. the person that I've been able to kind of like blossom into and the, the, the things that I've learned about myself. And the second that I start focusing more on that, I'm like, why would I ever give any of that up to go back to what things were like, they they do not compare at all. 100%, you know, and, you know, to anyone like, you know, I've also like over the course of being sober, the amount of people that's reached out to me just for help, you know, I'm just going to talk about this guy. I want anyone who's in the situation, whether it's someone seeking or flirting with sobriety or, or, or is sober. I've just, 
been the person who'd be like, I just want to listen to you. I'm not judging you because there's been several times I'll get hit up and it's like, oh, you know, I just stopped for a week, but I couldn't make it. And I just want to talk to you about, I was like, look, dude, you're not failing. The factor is you're actually, you're doing well because you're, you're actually seeking. That's number one right there. And just because you lasted one week and you didn't last doesn't mean you can't start over. That's another thing I have to keep telling myself too. I probably tried to get sober so many times without thinking about, like not necessarily even putting two, two together that I was trying, I kept trying, but then, you know, something that didn't work. What really worked was me seeking a community first to listen to me or seeking an ear that can listen to you, whatever feels comfortable to you. Do that. Yeah. Um, The the factor of just trying is important. Especially, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's like finding that community, if that's one person, if that's like a group of people. But if you realize, if you look around the room and you realize that nobody's listening to you and nobody mm-hmm. would be willing to help if you needed it, like, I mean, that's a sign right there that you're in the wrong room. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, within our community, it's kind of changed this, like this out vocalist, like, or the, because I'll say 10 years ago too, like if I mentioned that I was sober, I'm not going to kid, kid you not people will be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm happy that that mentality has kind of changed up as well. That a lot of people aren't like, um, they they don't, which is, it's normal. It's normal to be of the same mind. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, it's like, you know, when, when does it become a thing where it's not normal to, you know, be able to handle life without being inebriated or a little tipsy or whatnot? So, um, I, I, am happy that that mentality has kind of gone away. And I mean, I, I might be speaking for myself. This is, I think that might be also maybe an age thing as well, because the amount of people I was around within the industry at that time or who I was around, like, it just seemed to be a very much like kind of frowned, not frowned upon, but literally just kind of like, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you're like, if you're sober. So, you know, you gotta, I, I had to break from that thing too. Cause it was almost this like frat frat kind of mentality um within the industry or at least with my experience and that you know yeah you just gotta be bold that's one thing it's the most boldest fucking thing to decide to just break away from that yeah you're absolutely right well bjorn that's uh that's our time for today uh i can't awesome i seriously can't thank you enough for for sharing this has been such a really fun and refreshing chat and uh i'm excited to i'm excited to be friends with you forever now yeah josh likewise man i I look forward to you know meeting i hopefully i get around sometime this end of this year or early this year to go on the the tour because i was telling you i want to meet andy (laughs) <laughs> I want to meet some of my friends that I've met in Ben's friend. You know, I we said I said this. It's weird. You know, the pandemics hit people so hard. You know, and God bless those who've lost theirs, uh, some of their loved ones. But you know, uh, this is being able to communicate the way we're communicating, and to you know, Ben's friend's been held on each coast in so many different cities. I've met so many amazing people, and they've definitely impacted my life and the way I live in recovery. And the way I view my my life and hospitality and how I can create, I, I mean, the pandemic did this. <laughs> it's crazy to think, you know, if the pandemic didn't happen, I wouldn't really have had some of the support systems that I've gained and I wouldn't have been able to meet you, Josh. So, I mean, it's a pleasure. Thank you. That's no proof. Thank you for listening. 
And if you liked what you heard or are interested to hear more, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music was written and recorded by my brother Kyle, right here in Columbus, Ohio. To pick up an NA enamel pen and other great barware, head to moverandshakerco.com. More info and other shows like the Focus on Health podcast with Alex Jump can be found at fohealth.org. That's focusonhealth.org.